I am Jenna. I am from the Did Not Need to Know podcast, and you are listening to Just Conversation podcast. Warning. This program contains strong themes meant for a mature audience. Discretion is advised. Welcome to the Just Conversation podcast, the show where I, your host, Jack, speaks with a plethora of people from all walks of life, all backgrounds. We just sit down and have intellectual, open-ended conversations for two hours on any number of topics that just naturally come about. And it usually goes in completely unexpected, introspective directions because I'm a weirdo who can't seem to have a normal discussion without it devolving into something astoundingly complex and heady. My apologies ahead of time. Anyways, today we have quite a fascinating guest. Now, as you guys know, I casually stroll through the podcast world looking for interesting new things to listen to. I like originality and novelty, and I like to be blown away by concepts that are very fun and interesting. And a horse that gets beaten down quite often in the same exact format, you know, somebody pulls up a Wikipedia page and then reads it, is a true crime. True crime tends to be one of the most overplayed, most consistently similar genres in this medium. There's a lot of shows in there, and they're more or less the same. So what makes today's guest fascinating is they've found an approach that changes the dynamic of how this plays out, right? So we have Jenna from the Did Not Need to Know podcast on the show today. And this show is particularly fascinating because it's two sisters recording it. And it's not just a serious breakdown of everything that happened with a case, but they're also having fun along the way so that you don't just get bummed out in the middle of it. That's step one. That's already a huge selling point to be able to listen to something and not be depressed instantaneously by it, but still be informed by what you're hearing. That is a key factor here in this show. And I applaud that they managed to do that. But the catch here is one host, Jenna, enjoys all the things that have to do with serial killers and true crime, while her sister does not. Horrified by it, in fact. Which creates an interesting dynamic where one sister comes in to tell the other sister things she doesn't want to hear, and then together they go through these things that have happened in the real world. And you get to be one of the people in the room having this conversation. I find that fascinating. It's not so serious and dark that you're there feeling like an outsider being told a lecture. It feels like people having fun together and like spooking each other out and then just having casual conversation surrounding the topic of true crime. And I applaud that approach to this. It's innovating a medium that has needed innovation and has needed a refreshing new take. How about being happy that you're even here, even if the subject matter is dark? And I appreciate that there are people spreading that joy because not everybody wants to be bummed out. And that did not need to know is a fascinating show because of that. So upon stumbling upon the show, I immediately ran through four episodes because I couldn't help myself. It wasn't even about the serial killers at this point. It was more about listening to people genuinely enjoy each other's company while talking about true crime events. 
and that I found fascinating. That's not something I commonly get from these shows. I usually stray away from true crime. I'm, I, I'm not subscribed to many, if at all, you know, the big names, serial and stuff like that. But I uh, definitely got sucked into this wormhole quickly. Fell down that rabbit hole quite heavily. And uh, yeah, I'm going to continue. Uh, luckily, it's a relatively new show, so I can probably burn through most of this in the next couple of days. But I needed to get one of them on the show. And luckily, that happened. I got Jenna on the show. So, uh, we're going to have uh, this conversation coming up, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we don't know where this is going to go, but we'll find out when she gets here. It's almost time. Let's uh, jump right into that then. So, uh, you guys can find her show in any location you get podcasts. They're on social medias. Did not need to know. Uh, Google that wherever you want. She's going to give plugs at the end. And the plugs should also be in the show notes. All her links and whatever for the show should be there. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you know, subscribe, rate, review, all that usual stuff. Let us know what you think about this. Let them know what you think. Go check them out after, before, now, during. It doesn't matter. Just finish listening to this, whether before or after. Because I am... Sure, this is going to be a great conversation just based on the open-minded perspectives that they go into really serious topics with. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and uh, see you next time. Enjoy! I'm definitely more of an introverted person. <laughs> really? How do you end up uh, with a podcast? <laughs> That's a really great question. Um, because it's something specific that I enjoy and I'm doing with my sister, who I spend all my time with basically anyway. So I'm one of those people who would um, rather be home watched in Netflix than out in a party or having to like small talk with people. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'd rather hide inside interesting interesting do you i don't okay so you spend a lot of time with your sister is you, mm -hmm. you would you say your sister's also an introvert um she yeah yeah she she's definitely at least when she was younger was more of a, a social person than than i was i always was like nah i'd rather just stay home like i had plenty of friends but i, I still was like can we just like hang out Oh, what do you get out of it? What do you, uh, what's the, what's the, okay, f what's the difference in sense? Because I'm ex absorbently extroverted to the point that it's okay. almost problematic, you know? I'm the guy who's yeah. in line at the supermarket and just starts a conversation with somebody in the line. Oh, no, no, no. That I, I, if I see an acquaintance that I know that I don't want to have small talk with, I will duck. Like masks and sunglasses have the best thing, yeah. <laughs> the best thing in the world for me. Um, I don't know. Like I've learned, from some other people who are the same as me that maybe I'm like an empath and I just take on the vibes of other people too much. So I prefer to kind of hide away and <laughs> get away from people because their vibes are just too much for me sometimes and I absorb too much of it. Interesting. Do you actually feel overwhelmed by people's emotions and their energies? I do. I do. I do. Could you describe that? Like what, what yeah. is it that goes through your physiology, I suppose? Um... Okay, so besides having my own podcast, I'm also an occupational therapist. I work with um, kiddos that have developmental disabilities and autism and all that. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, I come home like kind of completely drained because you're taking on their vibes, which sometimes are very, very 
high energy. Sometimes they are having a really bad day and it kind of had, um, you know, escaped inside themselves. And then you're taking on the stress of the parents and everybody else around them. So yeah, no, I just like feel like super overwhelmed, tight in tight in my chest a lot, honestly. And I have to come home and like, literally like, please don't talk to me for a little while, everybody. <laughs> I have to like, kind of like, have some downtime to kind of cleanse, I guess. Interesting. Okay. So when you, you're spending time alone, right? You just had a mm-hmm. really uh, heavy day where there was a lot of, I suppose, energy would be the right way to word. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You, you get home and you feel drained. Like it actually drained your own energy. Physic- yeah. Physically. Yeah. Yeah. Does sure. it feel that way? Like if you exercise or something, like it feels like you really did a workout or. Um, it feels like, well, I guess it's like, yeah, that like I feel exhausted, but it's also like a lot of like mental exhaustion too. Like I spent the whole day feeling other people's feelings, but also trying to figure out ways to help them feel better. And so I'm just like spent. Interesting. I can't say I relate to that. I've never heard that. I mean, I guess I haven't just never asked somebody like break it down for me. But that's that is interesting. I don't find that I have a scenario that mentally drain if anything mm-hmm. all sorts of mental engagements kind of bring me up but i guess that would be oh. the whole introvert versus extrovert thing right yeah that's fascinating to me because i cannot relate to that at all <laughs> i don't know how having it having a a conversation or hanging out with somebody could bring you up it always like i always feel like oh so depleted after even with my my good friends getting together i'm like woof all right like there's a limit there's a, there's a there's point a that limit. you're like i got to go yeah, this was fun, guys. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, wow, that's so interesting to me. That it's, I wonder what does that, right? Like, what, what decides how we land there? It has to be because it's physiological to some point. Yeah. You actually feel drained. So it's not that, uh, nature did, I mean, it's not the nurture did it. We didn't learn the behavior. It has no. to be biological. We just probably a gene doing that or something. No, because probably my parents are both in- extroverted and I am introverted. So, right. So, it, it, def- to be... it doesn't come from nature. From well, nurture. Nurture, you mean? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Nurture. So, yeah, I don't know. Something, some wiring in my brain, I guess. All right. So, then walk me to how you get from <laughs> I lose energy being around people and having in lengthy conversations and I get spent trying to problem solve to I'm a go study up problem solve and then record myself with the information <laughs> while I talk to somebody. <laughs> that that's a great question. Um how did I get there? Uh I guess I just always thought that other people's behaviors were fascinating to me even if like dealing with them one on one was exhausting and i just couldn't wrap my mind around for instance like serial killers like really they find this completely normal this is just what they want to do it's a drive within them i don't get it so i was always kind of fascinated by it maybe like from a like the <laughs> how old was i i guess i was maybe nine when the whole like oj simpson trial started i was glued to the tv just like I couldn't understand and I needed to know everything. Like, looking back, like, I would never let my nine year old. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> what a situation to find yourself in. 
Um, but like, yeah, like any kind of like, I feel like I was always interested in true crime from a super young age. So like human behavior, I don't know. So it just turned into me constantly telling my sister stories or like my husband's stories or like the friend stories. And they're like, how can you listen to this stuff or watch this stuff or read about this stuff? I'm like, I don't know. I find it very, very fascinating. And it was like, hey, you know, maybe we should make a podcast about how I find this interesting and most people don't. And, Do yeah. you go all in on these same shows on like Netflix? Oh, God. At anything that comes out new, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I cannot believe that they're doing a documentary on this. And yeah, no, I go crazy for it. And I, I can't wait to watch it. Okay. Uh, now, I... I uh in college, I did a lot of psychology as necessity because I was going through medicine, mm -hmm. right? So mm. I'm numb to a lot of these things and normally don't look for them. But okay. one, I found your show particularly fascinating because I love the concept of somebody highly uncomfortable <laughs> just being told this almost <laughs> against their will and voluntarily at the same time. <laughs> but have you... And this is the only one of these I've seen recently. And holy crap, has it shook my understanding of reality because it's exactly what I was into. You've seen the show Don't Fuck With Cats. I have actually have not watched that yet. And I feel bad that I haven't. I, <laughs> it is so astounding. In the most nuanced way. Because it's, it's not just somebody did a crime and we're going to unpack how they did it. Yeah. We got the character, well, I say character, but it was real person, real person's events from day one since they had the idea. And it's all just cataloged on the internet. And they can follow from the moment he had the idea to the moment he committed the murder. Oh, wow. It's amazing. And you probably should talk about that on your show. Now I have to watch it. So, yeah. And it's so short. You could do it in one sitting. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just three well, episodes. Now, the first two are like tonight. 30 minutes, and then the last one is an hour long. Oh, okay. All right. Now, because I don't know too much about it, is it about animal cruelty? Yes. Oh, now, see, that's probably why I originally like put that on my brain. As much as I can listen to other people getting murdered with cats or dogs or any kind of animal, I, I need to check out. Like, <laughs> Oh, we're the same. We like animals more than people, so we're kind of almost okay with uh, like, I yeah, you know, how unfortunate it happened to a person. But oh, my God, the animal. No, yeah, my husband teases me constantly. Like, I'll watch like an old war movie and like while they're riding on the horses. And if a horse gets killed, I'm like a head under the covers. I cannot tell me when the scene is over. But like, meanwhile, humans are being like slaughtered left and right. Yeah, I don't know. I, it it's <laughs> weird because I, I would argue that a lot of humans have that, right? Like, a lot of people will sooner get sad over the animal's death than we would the human's mm. death. But I think it's also because we've become numb to it. There's films and there it's on the news all the time and we all know somebody we've lost people we're very used to that but how often do you point. hear about an animal being lost you know your friend whose friend whose friend oh they lost your cat and it's like oh wow i couldn't even imagine losing yeah. mine and it's like we, we're not exposed to that as frequently no that's an excellent point excellent point um in our neighborhood they're actually 
we, we've tried to fight against it, but they're actually tearing down like the wooded area to build 60 new houses and everything. Neighbors were taking pictures of like fox dens that like were like uprooted and the deers looking around all confused. What go- and I like literally just started crying. I was like, oh my God, this is so terrible. How do we fix this? Oh my God, the horrid horrible things happening to the foxes anyways what about that killer <laughs> anyways what about that guy who killed like 30 people no. meanwhile i'm like researching btk <laughs> to scare crazy. the crap out of my sister with <laughs> so as of now what's your favorite case you've gone through um oh boy um i always say this and people think i'm i'm a weirdo i find ed kempner very very fascinating um, just because he was so highly intelligent and, and massively huge. He's this big, gigantic man. Um, but he had such like deep rooted mommy issues that were almost like pathetic for someone like so highly intelligent. And then as soon as like he did away with his mom, that was it. He was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. Called the cops. You know, come and get me. I'm all finished now. I, I I finally killed her. I don't need to kill anybody else. And he just like loves to chat about it in jail. Just like talk to anybody. Very polite. Very kind in jail. Just like courteous. It's just like I don't understand how someone who's who can be like normal to everybody else. You know, like a an intelligent person who can be charming and charismatic and polite, just like went on a murder spree until he finally ended killing his mom in the end. Well, here's the interesting part about this specific case is that this man uh, shows something that we see very consistently in humanity, which is mm-hmm. most people do like he doesn't regret it, but he's aware of the fact that it, he's not a psychopath. He doesn't fall under the the blanket term of a psychopath. He is emotional. He is loving. He is caring. It's just mm. towards this one highly specific scenario that he was just cold, which had a lot to do with her for the most part. Yeah. So it's really that the way she behaved made mm-hmm. him incapable of feeling human emotions towards her for being treated almost like an animal. Yeah. She literally, his mother literally locked him in the basement from a young, young age. Now she herself had a lot of, um, you know, mental health issues. So who knows if it was for him, nature's versus nurture, because he had her mental health history kind of related to him, but also he was treated, like you said, like an animal from a significantly young, young age. Because she was, quote unquote, scared that he would do something to his sister. But again, he was like seven at the time. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. And then wow. like all you did was it was a self-fulfilling prophecy to some degree because you just kept mm. accusing him and treating him like he did until he did. But he didn't even do yeah. it to who you thought he would. Which exactly. is I find all I, I, lo- I love the I don't know how often you come across this because I'm towards the newer of your episodes. But the idea that. Media has this bad habit of uh, making psychopaths the killer, while in reality, most crimes are of passion, not of psychopathy. Mm. And so in society, we have this blending of two things when most psychopaths are completely fine, un, like not harmful, so socially active, really kind, mm-hmm. involved people. And then mm-hmm. we have the people who are responding emotionally and then mm. killing their wife or somebody who, you know, 
I was treated poorly by this one lady this one time and it stood in my head and now I kill anybody who looks like her. Mm. Like that mm. is association. They're associating to an emotion that they have as opposed to the lack of emotion. I find that particularly interesting when it comes to serial killers and mass murders that it's almost never a psychopath that did it. That's yeah, because there is that quote unquote, they snapped where it's just like, you know, someone left someone and that was it. They could not imagine their life without somebody. And then so, of course, then then they have to kill them because, you know, <laughs> that seems logical. That's so um, nuts. <laughs> That's so nuts to me. <laughs> Versus, I guess, like the the cliche Ted Bundy of the world who is like charismatic you know going to law school all those things um had relationships with with women you know had a loving family who did not um there was no you know a child abuse for him or anything but for some reason he blurred the lines of of um sex and murder together that you know got him off in some weird way and that's how he needed to fulfill that part of his life it's really weird what i love about that great great point you're making there and it just it focuses so intensely on the thing right we're talking about psychopathy and it comes to question whether his behavior was psychopathic or it Mm. was lustful right because that means Mm. there was some sort of pleasure or emotional sensation he's getting from it as opposed to well i don't care and don't have a moral compass because Mm. whatever reason because there is i I suppose the psychopath would have no motivation other than to do the thing because well i don't care what society thinks while he was motivated quite often by sexual pleasure he wanted to humiliate and tie and bind and cut and burn Mm -hmm. and choke and kill and all these things that were Mm -hmm. gratification as opposed to oh i just don't see how it's wrong no, he knew it was wrong. He would hide it. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, I know that it, that is super interesting. Like, but there's just that drive. Like a lot of them say there's like that X factor or the internal monster that when it comes out, cause it's, you know, sometimes it lays dormant and you'll see those periods of like, there's a few months or even years where they don't have that urge. And then that X factor comes out and they can't control that urge anymore and they need to fulfill it. Uh, a lot of them can get away with uh, – that's why they keep keepsakes, you know, little like trophies here and there from their yes. victims because sometimes it's just good enough for them to think back upon their crime and then they can like calm the beast that way, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's it's weird, so right? Because it goes to prove it is emotional because yeah. you're, you're trying to relive the thing in your head to some degree and like mm-hmm. feed – that very, very specific sensation you got while doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. But then (laughs) you have people like Zodiac and BTK and Richard Ramirez who loved the media attention because they wanted to shock and awe society and they mostly got off on not only their sexual crimes, but the the media attention telling them that they were so bad and like uh-huh. they're the devil and this and that because they liked rocking the boat. So I don't know. You really need to watch Don't Fuck With Cats. It's about <laughs> okay, it's I about will. that specifically. A person obsessed with media. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You're okay. gonna be more blown away that you haven't heard about this person yet. <laughs> 
that's what's going to because it's, it was everywhere, but it was everywhere for like a split second. And so okay. most of us missed it. Huh. But when you now, see, you, or maybe you have come across him, you just never came across him this early have, on. I might have just like swept by it because of the animal abuse. <laughs> uh, what was his name? It was Rico. Oh. Does sound familiar? Oh, maybe I have heard it then. Rico, what the hell? Luke. Luke. Luke Rico. Something like that. Rico? Okay. I might have heard of that. Let me see. It's being pulled I'm up really right here. I'm shocked I haven't. <laughs> Luke something. Oh, Luke Magnata. Okay. Have you heard about that guy? N-O-T-T-A? M-O-G-N-O-T-T-A, yes. Okay, yeah, then I have, but I just haven't explored it, probably because of the animal thing. <laughs> oh, it, it only began with animals, but oh, I don't, I don't want to say It evolved to it. something else oh, other than animals? It evolved so consistently because it was methodical. You'd, he is the one of the few people I would say, well, no, I wouldn't say. I was going to go and say, you know, he's the psycho, but it's not because he's also being driven by the love of attention. There is a point. Mm. It's okay. methodical and thought out, which is sociopathic, the fact that he's not caring about the social implications of what he's doing, but he's not psychopathic in that he's not feeling something associated to it. Yeah. I hate those serial killers. I really do. Where they're doing it for media attention, they're the most obnoxious ones. Because like, it almost defeats the purpose, right? Yeah. Like, it, it's an it's an ego boost instead of like, I. not that I'm saying it's right, but I can almost understand that there's something wrong with your brain where you need to get fulfill an urge and you have this monster versus i need attention so bad i'm going to cause this big uproar and just go kill everybody because i need to be famous for this or infamous for this horrible horrible thing or it's just nuts this actually brings into mind the new zealand church shooter if you remember that happened a couple of years ago no what was his name what was his name? I'm going to take notes. Oh, <laughs> it was called... Hold on, pull this up real quick so I can see. New Zealand church shooter. And uh, I remember... I basically, I'll tell you the, the quick narrative while my uh, co-host over here pulls this up. But mm -hmm. the idea that this guy we had an episode talking about you know the fact that a mass shooting just happened and it was specifically mm -hmm. the new zealand shooter and we were you know he left the manifesto you probably heard about guy he left the manifesto he recorded himself uh doing the mass shooting and he posted it on the internet and then he had a bunch of people watching him actively walk in and shoot it happened all live oh my god yeah so and time. uh didn't you i can't believe i haven't heard of this what's the name brenton harrison tarrant Wow, what a complicated name. Right, wow. And uh, so, Brent? Brenton, yeah, Harrison Tarrant. And so we I'm had like an episode about this guy talking about what he did. And the fact that how he did it was so, he quoted PewDiePie in his, he left a manifesto that he put online before he went and put himself live and went and shot a bunch of people. And in the manifesto, he had lines quoting PewDiePie in Minecraft and he had this, he was like trying to appeal to kids essentially. Ugh. Yes. Horrible. That's sick. But the prediction was because of the way he did this, that he publicized it in such a way and he did references to things kids would like. It's only a matter of time before he has a copycat killer who does exactly what he did. Mm. On the day 
the episode predicting that went up, the copycat killer in the United States did the same thing, dropped a manifesto, recorded himself killing a bunch of people inside of a church, and we had to emergency make an episode just to say, we did not tell anybody to do anything. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Yep. Wow. I'll never forget it. That wow. was season three, episode four, and then we needed an emergency episode four, part two, yeah. just a disclaimer. We did not. Wow. We're not part of this. Because it did was happen. That the church the- thing that happened in, um, what was it, Virginia? Was, was it? Where was it? It's probably, I don't even remember. I remember New Zealand, and then it followed up with somebody else shooting elsewhere. The craziest part is that one of these guys was taken, and to my, if you probably saw that on the news at least, he was taken to, to Wendy's or McDonald's or something. <gasps> oh, I did see that. Yes. Like the cops took him through a drive thru. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I did hear about that part because I was like, what the? <laughs> yeah, it's so absurd. This dude just murdered. Tell me if he's oh, black sorry, that plays sir, out. You're hungry? Yeah, like, it's so what? crazy. What if he was that, black? Does he, does he make it as far as the car? Uh, no, I hundred percent agree. With That's you. crazy, That's right? So ridiculous. Meanwhile, no, here's poor, a bulletproof vest, and let's go. Uh, you hungry? You you sure? You sure? You, you, you we can get you something. Ridiculous. How absurd! But yeah, so that happened. It's fucking crazy, and you'd think that that person is the psychopath, but again, for mm-hmm. attention, he was getting some emotional satisfaction out of it. Gross. Gross. He sounds like a, a water polo player, like Brenton. He does, <laughs> right? Just like the... Oh, man. So absurd. It's, what the fuck is wrong with the... Okay, then it's it's just so crazy, right? It's hard to, like, wrap your mind around that. Yeah, because there, there's a lot of different kinds of these mass murderers and serial killers. It's, that's why I find it so fascinating, because you can't pinpoint... Like what? Like what is it? What is it? That's why do they do it? What part of the brain is messed up? Why can't we figure this out? You know. But it's always triggered by something different, and that's the craziest part. Mm. Like it's yeah. never the same thing twice. Yeah. Okay, then then do. let's yeah. let's dive into okay. this scenario. What do you <laughs> think of the one guy to never take a life himself, yet be the most horrifying thing we've ever seen because he could talk somebody into doing anything? Charles Manson. Mm, that. That guy, that guy, he just loves to hear himself talk. Yes, for like, sure. Right? <laughs> and he almost has like a complex, like I going to, I, first of all, I don't know how he manipulated these people into doing this. Like what, what kind of people he found to manipulate them. But I, I don't know if it's a complex of, I need to make myself grander and bigger. And because isn't he known to be like, kind of like he had a Napoleon complex yeah yeah exactly like so like I'm going to make my mark on the world by showing that I am wonderful and I can manipulate and brainwash all these people to do everything in my beck and call like it's fast he's a oh my god what a nut that guy is but so fascinating (laughs) I think that's my that's uh, my guilty pleasure right there my fascination with that guy I almost like I don't idolize him to the point that I'm gonna go do what he did but it's like how fascinating are you that you're kind of innocent, but so guilty at the same time. It's so not, yeah. It's so absurd. Now, my theory on him, right? Mm-hmm. And this is probably going to blow your mind. Maybe you'll go down a rabbit hole of research. <laughs> Do you know who Darren Brown is? No, I don't think so. 
Darren Brown, the hypnotist, British hypnotist. Oh, okay. That he does these very spectacular shows. For example, one of them was called Apocalypse, where he conditioned a guy slowly over the course of like three months to hear radio stations and uh, um, that would talk about, you know, weird studies being done on biology and whatever. And he would have um, weird glitches happening to make sure that this guy's going to walk down this alley at this time of day specifically, and I'll make something weird happen. And it's all very structured so that on zero day, he knocks the guy out, puts him somewhere, and he convinces him the zombie apocalypse has happened. This is through all manipulation, hypnosis, conditioning, repetitive conditioning over a long period of time. This person swore the world ended. He he, he was 100% sure, and he tried to save uh, – there were actors everywhere. He had a little girl he was trying to protect because zombies and whatever. Oh, jeez. Now, Darren Brown does this regularly. He had one called Sacrifice, where he had a um, Republican anti-immigrant man, vocally anti-immigrant, in a situation where – now, he got through he, – he didn't tell this guy what the tests he was running were for. He thought it was, you know, self-improvement or something. So, he mm-hmm. would have him, for example, sit in front of a Mexican and just – Stare at his eyes for five minutes straight. Don't do anything but stare at his eyes. And uh, he would put him in situations where he sees people being more radical than him and people being less radical than him until zero day again, where he puts a very innocent – now, he conditioned this person who hates immigrants to see the humanity in immigrants and then put him in a situation where a bunch of bikers are going to kill an immigrant in front of him. But he's usually on the side of the people who would do that. The idea here would be, can you convince a person who's against this to offer their life in exchange for their life? And he did. He walked up in front and he's like, no, you got to go through me for the very person that he would have in otherwise let happen. He's like, fuck him. But no, hypnosis and repeated conditioning. Darren Brown doesn't do it. He just shakes your hand and suddenly you're hypnotized. It takes time. A lot of repetitive activity and a lot of meticulous brainwashing. Now, how does this connect? What was Manson doing? He had them in a house. He would have mm. them repeat movements and do imitate him, conditioning little by little, feeding the same ideology over and over and over. My theory is Charles Manson is just a really overpowered hypnotist who used that mm. for evil. Hmm. That's fascinating. First of all, Darren Brown. Wow. For the the whole apocalypse thing, that seems like uh, mental torture to put someone through. Yeah, I think it should I be criminal. I don't know how that's allowed. Yeah, it should <laughs> yeah, be totally but, criminal. I don't know how he gets away with any of it. The the whole um, anti-immigrant guy, can he do that to everybody? Maybe the world would be a little bit nicer. Can he just like mass hypnotize everybody? He did. There was one where he uh, pro- he the idea here was to prove that religion is a sham. And he told uh, he he got his audience together in a giant theater, and he went in on stage and he told everybody, "I'm gonna prove to you it's all a lie by doing anything and everything that those big TV priests that heal people on the spot do." And he said, "Okay, I'm gonna do everything they do, but keep in mind, I'm just using hypnosis to block off certain parts of your brain that allow you to do things." He made a lady who hasn't walked in years stand off of her wheelchair 
by simply blocking off the pain receptors in her mind through hypnosis. He made people feel significantly better health-wise. People feel less depression. People um, just uh, somebody blind could see better, but really it was her mind refining the image over and over. And so he's proving that the people on stage are just hypnotists. They're clever. They're using words to brainwash you. Wow. And so, yeah, he did do that in mass. Wow. The whole vision thing. That's that's insane. Wow. Okay. I mean, write this down. You could probably find that. I think some of that is on Netflix. (laughs) What's Darren Cross? Darren Brown. Darren Brown. 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 Yes. No, I thought Cross. Find him on Netflix. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, yeah. With Charles Manson, that's like a lot of cult um, leaders, you know, they they get a group of people who are dying to look for something new they you know they reduce their protein intake their water intake you know usually drugs are involved they're trying he's fulfilling something in them that they've been looking for and gives them a sense of like home and comfort and then you know they brainwash them into let's do this this and that you know that's that's where it all comes you know i mean that's a great theory that charles manson is just a really great hypnotist it's crazy right like until until you get that perspective it doesn't like how was he doing it how the fuck did he get these people to just do things he himself wasn't doing until you consider the fact that well there was so much conditioning wow that's wild i need to look into that now you're right this is a rabbit hole i need to go down yeah yeah no worries i went on that same rabbit hole after i had the thought i was like (laughs) this is crazy because it is it's something we don't think about we're like he's so evil but Darren Brown is that same guy. He's just not doing anything evil with it. But he proved he could if he wanted to. Except the apocalypse thing. Fair enough. <laughs> this really is, that's morbidly horrible. Most of it is. Like, making this guy really think another human is about to be shot and, like, you got to go set. Like, that's traumatic. Yeah, for sure. Like, for this sure. has to be criminal. And you said he put actors in for the whole apocalypse yes, every, thing? Yes. Only no, one person is being trauma. tortured. Yeah. Only one person is being have- tortured. I would have PTSD for life. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> On the flip side, to my understanding, because they do claim that there are psychologists and psychiatrists active monitoring that they would warn him if it's getting somewhere too horrible. Okay. So there, then uh, he also picks people who are particularly susceptible, so he wouldn't have mm. to go extra far in conditioning them. He pe- he picks the weakest person he could think of for that system, and then applies that system consistently with supervision from experts to make sure he's not ruining them. Allegedly, I don't yeah. know. He could just be lying. What are the characteristics of a quote-unquote weak person that they can easily... When it comes to hypnosis, the one thing I do know is you ha- there's a specific type of uh, psychology you need to have that allows you to be more susceptible than other people. You need to be suggestible. Suggestibility is mm. key. So where you fall on a you know hypothetic suggestibility measurement is really what would decide. And like... In the case of the guy who had to sacrifice himself, he already need to find somebody who was against immigration vocally, but also seemed to be often um, influenced by his family and friends to think certain ways. So maybe the opinion isn't even his opinion. Hmm. So that because his opinion could already be manipulated, that means yeah. I can now manipulate his opinion. Wow. Wow. That's something. Yeah, and the guy who um, was in the apocalypse, 
the trick for him was he's particularly lazy and lives off of his parents and does nothing productive and blames all his troubles on everybody around him. The goal in this scenario was to force him to literally survive by doing mm. the things himself because there's nobody else to lean on right now. Oh, no. I like that, at least. That part of it I like. <laughs> I mean, until was- you see how he was ho- – I'll never forget how truly horrified he was. That's terrible. Yeah, it's That's awful. really terrible. There's no way that guy is okay still. <laughs> There's no way. I don't understand. <laughs> Sometimes I think it's bullshit just because of like – this couldn't who, – who could – who's going to green light this? Yeah. What's the insurance on that? <laughs> yeah. Like what if this guy just kills himself later? Now what? Yeah, are you liable? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's so crazy. Is he liable forever as of that moment? Because you did enter a human's mind. Anything that happens 30 years from now could be your fault. Yeah, what if he develops, like, chronic depression because he feels like, well, one day the apocalypse will happen and I've seen what it looks like and I don't want to do this. Exactly, exactly. So I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know. It's that's crazy. A, that's a slippery. That's a slippery slope. Yeah, and Aaron Brown himself was never necessarily well. Never was not always a good guy either. He learned hypnosis as a way to survive poverty by tricking people and robbing them through hypnosis. Oh, yes. Hmm. That's how he developed the skills in the first place. He would rob people in front of them without them noticing it was happening. Hmm. And he, uh, uh, when he does his, (laughs) when he does his parlor tricks, he shows you how he does a lot of it. He's a master of misdirection and a master of communication. So he could like take something in front of you and you not notice it's happening simply because he's brainwashing you in the process. I don't think I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's monsters out there. Yeah. Different kinds of monsters everywhere. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I think of, I love. Oh, the not to get political, no political angle on this, but Obama specifically, I find to be Mm -hmm. such an interesting, charismatic and particularly dangerous human being because he has such an intense charisma Mm. and he he drips it. He's almost a hypnotist himself. He can control any. Do you like you ever seen the show comedians in comedians? In Cars Getting Coffee or something like that? I love that show. Okay, you ever saw the episode with um, Seinfeld and Obama? How did I miss that one? Was it Seinfeld? Yeah, it was Seinfeld. Yeah, it was Seinfeld and Obama. No, I did not see. Is that a new, newish one? I have no idea. I saw it maybe like two years ago. Huh. I thought I watched every single one, I swear. Oh, no, no. then you miss it, because I believe uh, another season was... Because there was the original series that was bought by Netflix, and then there was the one season yeah, that came uh, out afterwards. So, it was probably okay. part of that. Okay. In okay. that conversation, you can see Obama steal the entire conversation right from under Jerry Seinfeld and baffle him with it. Just almost like he doesn't realize how it happened. Wow. And usually it's the opposite. Usually Jerry's the one steering everything. And this isn't the only time it's happened. The other thing you could find on Netflix that is the same scenario is a show called My Next Guest Is with uh, David Letterman. And David Letterman has Obama for one hour to have a conversation. In the first four minutes, Letterman had to stop Obama and be like, this is my show. 
No way. I swear. It's so... Because he just somehow sneaks it out of under people who are trained to do this. Wow. Wow. I actually don't like Letterman. I think he's kind of a dick. (laughs) He is. He definitely (laughs) likes to humiliate people. Yeah, I'm not really a fan of that. That's the same reason I hate Jimmy Kimmel. You know what? I try all the time to like Jimmy Kimmel. He's so unlikable. What did he said something to? Um, oh gosh, who's the guy from? From oh gosh, he's like the counterpart in that the where they're like kids and they're trying to throw a party. And why am I not thinking about it? Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. He humiliated Jonah Hill at one point in an interview. Like Jonah Hill, like was all like clean cut and and dressed really nice. And he's like, oh, you smell really good. I didn't think you would smell good. And he's like, why? Because I'm I'm overweight. Because I'm fat. I'm not supposed to smell good. I'm supposed to smell like trash. So I'm like, that wasn't a very nice comment. Why'd you even have to make a comment like that? Is he the same guy who asked Jonah Hill if he's still considered the fat guy in Hollywood? Did he say that too? I think so. I'm not sure if it was him. I know somebody I did really that to Jonah Hill, but it's like, I don't, I, I don't like Jonah Hill, but like he also like, <laughs> why do you have to be a douchebag? He's still a person. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't like that. Like- Where he lost me completely and I will forever be enraged. As of that point, and I'm not like, I don't know if you've listened to the show. I'm quite okay with most horrible things. I don't judge. It's like, whatever, we're human and we <laughs> fuck up. But when he had Kanye West, a known schizophrenic who struggles with a lot of mental issues, he went ahead and he started splicing, confusing holographic images on the walls around him, casually not even addressing them so that he would think that there's something wrong with him. Why would you do this on live television? Oh I mean, why God. would you do this at all? But why would you do this on live television? Now, I'm not a fan of Kanye, but that's very cruel. I'm not either. I do. do not like his music, but that's beyond cruel. That's so highly <laughs> inappropriate. And I'm like, you are some sort of monster yourself. That's not cool. Wow. How manipulative. I don't like that. Yeah. He's trying to get any kind of crazy reaction to happen on his show. I'm not down with huh. that. That's horrible. I'd rather Jimmy Fallon, who, you know, it's kind of his own douche in his own right, but whatever. But he's like a goofy douche. Yes. He's like a lovable douche. Exactly. He's everybody's <laughs> friend. And he doesn't throw his personal life on anybody. Like, everybody knows, yeah, he's got mm. an alcohol problem. Has he thrown mm. his alcohol problem on you, though? No. Has he ever no. made you suffer because he has a problem? No. 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 So, he's yeah, a guy no, with struggles who treats everybody else appropriately. Meanwhile, exactly. Jimmy Kimmel, no struggles, and treats everybody like shit for no reason. Oh. Now I'm all heated about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I think about it specifically the Kanye thing. I'm like, that's so men- you don't play with somebody's mental illness, bro. That's terrible. How did Kanye respond to it? He just shut down right there. He just like kind of oh. went into himself and it's like because he caught on to what was happening too, and so he just kind of like sure. tried to Rightfully focus pissed. away. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Highly inappropriate. Interesting. Interesting. Strongly dislike that. Who knows? Maybe in a different life, this guy was out here like chopping people's heads off himself. <laughs> He could could have literal skeletons in his closet. Who would know? Well, that brings in an interesting point. The majority of serial killers never get caught. We just don't report on Mm. them to not scare the people. Mm. No, there's still active serial serial killers right now. You know, they're just hiding in plain sight. And what is it? 97% of all murders go unsolved, but we don't report on them because we don't want to scare the mass population. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, well, that's just like the media. Exactly. <laughs> to us 24-7. That's the craziest thing. But also, 
do we want people to be constantly told 97 per, one, 97 out of 100 Every time there's a hundred, ninety-seven of them are just roaming free. They just murdered somebody, and nobody found out who they were. Do we yeah, really want to be mind. reminded of that? So, I'm going to say yes and no. So, that's terrifying, and most people would want to never leave their house because of it. However, again, like I'm the person that says to my sister, like, why aren't you more aware of your surroundings, like? You don't go into your vehicle and like not a not check your back seat, b not look around you when you're leaving a store in the parking lot, and then c not lock your door as soon as you go into the car. Like she's just like, and I call her like in Aquarius land, like spacing out. But like a lot of people aren't aware of that like you know the first step to protect yourself is to you know, kind of almost not trust the people around you. And maybe that's my introverted, I don't like people self-speaking, but like not everybody's nice, you know, not everybody's looking out for you. And you kind of need to, you know, look out for numero uno first before. No, I'm completely on board. See, I I 100% believe both sides of that. One, Mm. we definitely can't just here all the time another killer got loose we would never yeah. sleep we would never be at peace i'm next yeah. is our only thought mm-hmm. but second regardless of whether or not we know that fact assume at any moment it could be you anyways and always yes. be absurdly vigilant i'm the guy who intentionally changes a part of my root home every day mm. so that i never no. follow a yeah. pattern and i love that nobody could follow me I love that. I yeah. love that. I will go around in circles if I think someone is following. Like, why is this person turning wherever I turn? I will tell you the secret to finding whether somebody's following you or not. Okay. And it's just drive poorly. Drive poorly. Yes, 100%. Get to the next intersection. You put the flashers mm. left and okay. then turn right. Ooh. If okay. they also put the flashers left and turn right, you instantaneously know they're following you. Because okay, why would like they make tip. the same mistake? Nope. I like that tip. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Because trying to lose somebody or identify whether they're following you by doing completely normal things, who knows? Maybe they're also, maybe they're just looking for parking. So they're spinning around looking mm. for a spot. Who knows? But if mm. you start doing things that are obviously not normal, then you catch it if they're also repeating it. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I'm going to tuck that in my pocket for later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a useful trick. I've, uh, what was it? Maybe last year I was driving through a section of a hood that's uh, like towards the edge of town. Mm-hmm. And I saw a car stop maybe 10 cars before the light and just stop cold. So I stopped about 10 cars behind that car and mm-hmm. I noticed that their door was just a tiny little bit open. And I've actually seen this oh. before, which is if I got close enough to that car, another car would just show up behind me, closing it in, and they would just rush my car. So yeah. I stopped super far away, and all you see is after right. maybe like 20 seconds, they close the door and drive off. That's like, so sketchy. That's so sketchy. Yeah. It could have been nothing, no. but also I'd rather it, it be nothing and I'm safe. <laughs> yeah. No, that's terrifying. That's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, I don't tr- no. I don't trust anybody. I'm always paranoid. Oh good. I'm glad it's not just me. That's wonderful. Yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> it's the right way to live to be completely horrified of ever you don't have to show <laughs> being horrible. 
not horrible, being horrified. You don't have to show people you're horrified, mm. but you have to have that taking just in case. Oh, for sure. I lived in New York for a very long time. So I definitely think that that helped shape me into the don't trust anybody walking next to you <laughs> business. Um, I mean, what I hate about New York is, is I'm not even female, but I've seen this so much. And I'm like, I. by the way, I apologize for the male gender. I feel the need to do that to every female. <laughs> Thank you. Because who the hell feels like they have the right to walk up to somebody and just grab their hand? Like, mm. what, dude? Has that happened to mm -hmm. you? Probably has, hasn't it? It's ha and worse. Yeah, the subway is a is a gross, gross place. Fucking amen. No, I've had people just like reach across my friend to try to grab my. Sh I'm like, what? Wh why? 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 Why would you do that? No. And it's horrible. Not only that, like maybe somebody isn't even trying to harm you, but they swear that somehow they're going to win you over by following you, just following you, just walking behind you for a really, really, really long time. Like, yeah, what? no, I what? <laughs> That's happened. I've literally said. I will fucking kill you. Please go away. <laughs> like, and and then they get scared because someone, sure, I'm a very small person, just aggressively yelled at them and that shocked them. And usually I know if I go big, they'll go yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, the, uh, the mentality a lot of these people have is that they're the biggest thing in the room. So if you show to be mm. bigger, then they feel smaller. That should be the only goal. Make them exactly. not feel like the alpha in the interaction and they immediately flee. But the fact that you need to do that at all is like, what the fuck? Why can't you just, why can't you just walk the fuck? Yeah, I know. There's a lot of, a lot of perverts too out there. Just like really. Yeah. No, it's, it's annoying. It's, the problem is that it seems almost, and it's, I'm not saying it is, but it's so absurdly majority male that's doing this and it's like mm. we we have mothers mm. so where the fuck did it go wrong that we think it has to be media right it has to be media and i can tell you exactly where it zones into it's a fucking romance movie right you think oh. well what's the idea here the lady doesn't oh. want you. Well, no, I got to be persistent. I'm going to show up in front of her house and I'm going to tell her mm. I love her there. Or no, I'm going to go yeah. to her work and show her a bunch of flowers and send her gifts all the time. That's going to win her over. That's, oh, no, that's, that's just harassment. I never really thought that. <laughs> I never thought of it that way before. But no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And the worst part is, and be ready for this because this one I don't I don't know how you swing according to what I'm about to say but this comes back and tragically the men's behavior is the woman's fault and I can explain that away what? very easily <laughs> men never go to watch the romance movie the woman decides let's watch the romance movie and conditions the man to believe this is what I want but you're not doing this so by the time we broke up what were the examples well look at all the romance movies that you didn't mm -hmm. fulfill well, okay, next mm -hmm. time I'm going to do all the things I saw in the romance movie because she was into that. Okay. 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 I see that. Huh. Weird double-edged sword, right? I know. Now now you got me stumped on this. Okay. Could we also take a step further and say that, you know, all the fairy tale books are to blame for women yes. thinking? <laughs> yes, 100%. So the fairy tale, but the fairy tale was written by the guy. So it comes back to men. Mm. So the man wrote the fairy tale that made the girl think this is the right thing, then later made her obsessed with the movies that she showed to the guy. And then the guy thought that was a normal behavior because he was dumped by the chick who showed it to him and he wanted to be what she wanted and then did that thing to the women who didn't want it. 
shoot. <laughs> yeah. Psychology. We're all fucked. Yeah. For real. And it's so sad. We'll just live inside all the time. Yeah. See, this is why I don't go out. No, it's, I mean, oh, I don't even know, man, because it's good and bad, right? Like, what the fuck can we do? These are... Fan- it's a pr- the fantasy is a problem, right? Because we fantasies are great, and we want to fantasize about somebody pursuing us and wanting us that way. And this weird, impossible, romantic thing—oh, the gesture of infinite flowers showing up! Mm. Oh, how romantic! But we know it's a fantasy. Yeah. Where does the disconnect happen? Where somebody stops believing yeah. it's a fantasy and tries to recreate it? I mean. I think uh, as we grow more as a society and realize that, you know, it's not all fairy tales and, you know, you should not fall in love with the first person that gives you attention and, you know, in your ivory tower and everything like that. I mean, it relies on maybe like the parents of today to teach their kids from a young age. Like, no, this is really not like a stranger really shouldn't kiss you while you're sleeping. And hey, listen, I let my wa- my kids watch Sleeping Beauty and, and all of that. But I'll follow up and be like, you know, just so you know, like she was really smart. And, you know, Belle from Beauty and the Beast loved books. And that's so great. And, you know, Gaston should, you know, like I follow up and like point out the errors of those movies to kind of show them. My kids, like, you know, it's not always because, like, the man fell in love with her because she was so pretty, you know. She was strong, and she could do this, and she could do that, and she could choose. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just people trying to be more held accountable. Yes, and it it comes, it creates another problem, actually. Because what of the women who really are into it? Now we're conditioning men completely to never do the thing. But we know, mm-hmm. like, we would the argument be we're kink-shaming? In order to protect people? Because what of the woman who wants that guy who just squawks up and puts his arms right around her and he's lurking over her and she feels all small, but she likes to be prey? You know? So then we're yeah. like discouraging men from that side. And it's like, okay, so then all those women are going to die unfulfilled if every guy successfully stopped doing it. Yeah, but can't they just like do that when they're actually dating that person versus that's how they but What if that's what attracts them to the, the person, person in the first place? Could are we we have to make the line and say at some point you don't cross it and at that point anything on the other side of that line we're gonna say is wrong that's the, that's the problem with the line once we draw the line anything on the other side of the line is wrong so is the lady who likes that wrong and thus we're kink shaming her that's what she's into that's her attraction But then we can say that same line exists for, like, somebody transgender. Okay, then you're on that side. You're wrong for being transgender. But what if that's just what you're into? We're not allowed to judge in this scenario. Why would we judge in that scenario? It it gets dicey and weird and complicated. Oh, life is too chaotic. I can't. (laughs) It is. It is. And it's weird because most of us land in some sort of normal baseline, so it's hard for us to wrap our head around the people who Mm. aren't there. But we know it's a thing, and we try to be compassionate and understanding, but, like, our compassionate and understanding does lead to a guy who just thinks it's all right and still does it to the person who doesn't want it. It's like, well, fuck, our acceptance led there. But then if we don't, what of the people who are comfortable with that? Oh. Mm. 
I don't know. There's so many things I need to look into more now <laughs> having this conversation with you. I have a running list literally right next to me. I have a notepad. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we, the psychology gets problematic. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Because now everything I thought <laughs> I had a strong opinion about. And I'm like, oh, that's a really excellent point. Yeah, yeah. King shaming. Yeah, it is. It totally is. Yeah. But it's like, sh- the problem is, right? At what point do we do we prioritize the safety of people over the mm. simple interest of others? Right. So the argument really comes down to: we should probably kink shame some people to protect the majority. Yeah. But that's kind like, of do fucked. they need a club? Do they need like a certain like nightclub atmosphere where they can? But then, yes, that's the logical conclusion, right? Go somewhere where you know people are into that. But also, we're forcing them to be closeted. That's another good point. You're killing me. I don't know. (laughs) There's no winning. There's no winning. No, there isn't. We're forcing them to hide who they are because we're like, it's, it's by, even if it's acceptable for you, it's by vast majority unacceptable. And it's like, wait, so there's something wrong with me? No, there's nothing wrong. But how do we explain that? Yeah. And if we suppress it so early, then people won't even find out that that's their interest and maybe they get their way too late in life and then they, you know, little girls, you can't be around guys who are going to do this and guys don't do the thing and then they never really know and then they experience it once really long from now and it's like, well, I don't even love my husband anymore because he's not doing the thing I'm into and I I always Mm -hmm. felt the weird thing, but you know, now I'm 50 the first time I experienced it and I got to go at the end of my life, learn the thing. I'll be dead before I figured it out fully. Oh, my gosh. Well, where do you fall on the whole? um, Because, you know, I experienced this as a younger kid. And now I could see it like happening to my kids of like, the boys that like you tease you, you know, in the playground. And uh, I will never say that like, oh, he's teasing you because he likes you kind of thing. But I'm not gonna say that. But as looking back, like, I know that's how it it really goes. And I don't know why boys behave that way when they're younger. Oh, insecurity, for sure. It's insecurity. Yeah. You don't want to be judged and you don't know if everybody else finds her attractive. So what you do is you humiliate her and find out if anybody else says, oh, no, but she's mm-hmm. awesome or hot. And then if she is, well, you were already into her. Now you make your move mm-hmm. in the opposite direction. It's 100% insecurity. But like even at such young ages, like 9, 10, like. Yeah, because you want to impress your crazy. friends and you don't want to be mm-hmm. into the girl that they think is ugly. You know, oh, man, that's just so not cool, though. <laughs> it's totally problematic because we shouldn't care. But part of society yeah. is being in the in crowd. If you so much as voted, yeah. you are part of a team. Mm. It's weird. Tribal, no matter what. And the younger we are, the more tribal we are, the more we need to feel fit in the same way. We're at home. We got our structure. Oh, we're taught, you know, mom is safe. Dad is safe. Numbers are safe. I get to mm. school where I need numbers. I can't be out here alone. So I need to be sure I'm in and I can't be kicked out of the group. If I'm kicked out mm. of the group, then I'm vulnerable. Survival it tactics. Goes back to our, our lizard brains, you know? We're- yes, exactly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Perspective. Still doesn't make it okay, but perspective. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make it okay. It's, it's fucked. But if we were to work that out, then we would be too individualistic and that would be the whole other mm-hmm. side if we work out the the need to be tribal and need to be in teams then look at what society is now where we told everybody everybody's an individual and everybody matters who can agree right now what problem can we get solved nothing if, yeah we're just yeah, conflicting no. all the time because my opinion matters just as much as your opinion but wait that third guy has an opinion too now there's three sides but that fourth guy does too now there's four and there's eight billion people 
Mm. So can we fix something? Well, no, climate change. Well, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> right now we got vaccines. Wait, but the anti-vaccines. Wait, but the yeah. Earth is flat. No, it's round. Wait, we need to make it to Mars. Who cares? Either way, what the oceans are burning off. What argument are we going to fix if everybody feels their opinion matters just as much? Because we're not in, we're, we're individualistic. We tried to fix the problem of tribalism yeah. and created the biggest problem ever. Everything is hitting the fan all at once because we can't focus on anything. No, we absolutely, and our attention spans are shorter. So, you know, it's, it goes from, like you said, to climate change to, 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 uh, you know, vaccines to, to everything. It just bops around, you know. Yeah. We have no, there's no focus for anybody. You even Mm -hmm. look at politics, the people who are allegedly supposed to be fixing the problem, they're supposed to be guiding us to do it. Mm-hmm. And what do we have there? We have a bunch of people aimlessly wandering and like, oh, no, we're going to fix this problem. We're going to fix that problem because those people are screaming about it. And it's like, wait, aren't you guys just supposed to kind of ignore us and get it done? Yeah. But they're yeah. not because they're well, scared about their perception. I was going to say because they rely on us that, you know, that it's they're all fake because they just want the votes and the ratings and all that. Yep. And, hmm. This is just it gets mm-hmm. more depressing as we go forward, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. This is an does. infinitely more depressing conversation. I know. We went from to, to murderers to how our society's doomed. This is awesome. Isn't it crazy? Because you'd think we began at, at as bad as it could get. Serial killers and taking <laughs> life. And it's like, no, that was that was the happy part of this conversation. That was the happy part. <laughs> But it is all, it's, I don't even know, man. How do we get dressed every day and not, like, push the button? How do we make it this far? We're really good at denial and putting ourselves in a little happy bubble sometimes. I know, like, our brains like to compensate for those things, I guess, compartmentalize. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. Like, okay, I came up with a, a a concept, like a thought. I like to rationalize really complicated thoughts into small phrases to convey a lot of information in a little bit of time. And one of the thoughts I had that was really profound to me specifically was nobody's holding anything together. Nobody. Mm. But nothing is ever falling apart. Somehow the country is still functioning. The world is still going. We have a bunch of functions. Technology keeps advancing. We're about to actually get to Mars. That's a thing that's happening. We have the yeah, smartest yeah. phones smarter than people. We have people smarter than the smartest phones working on creating smarter phones. <laughs> Somehow, regardless yeah. of us not being able to agree and nobody holding anything, the walls always look like they're falling and nobody's holding them apart. Nothing ever collapses. We're still here. So should we worry or is it just that we're aiming cameras at everything and so we think it's worse, but it's always been here. It's always been the same degree. We just see it more. So we think it's worse. Well, for sure. As much as I use social media, I for sure think it's been the downfall of society on a whole. Just we're crueler to each other. You know, like there's literal trolls out there creating fake accounts just to bash other people for being exactly who they are. You know, it's definitely, in my opinion, you know, that we're pointing cameras at everything now and we're much, much more aware. And it's always probably been there all along. It's just there's a giant spotlight on it now. Yeah. As, Literally see, 24-7. This is what I really believe. Now, keep in mind, I'm dark-skinned. I, I mean, I'm in the light at the moment, but I'm particularly dark. <laughs> and I have particularly radical ideas associated with race. Uh, one of them is, again, I don't know where you stand, so br- brace yourself just in case. But, for example, I don't believe there are more 
there is more violence towards black people. Actually, the numbers, like if you read the studies that have been you done collectively. You don't believe there's more? You no, do not factually, believe? Oh. It's, it's factually not. You can look at the research and the collective information shows that okay. it's been on a steady decline since the 80s or something like that. Like the amount, it went, it started getting up during the 70s. Like it started getting vicious. But around the 80s, it started to taper off and just fall down again. But the problem is hmm. we're aiming cameras at every time that it happens. And think mm-hmm. of it like this. What reason do we have to aim a camera at a cop who's doing his job right? Why would we point that out? You're doing what you're yeah. supposed to do. We're not going to reward you for the job you're already getting paid to do. We're going to aim it at the people who aren't doing their job right so we can expose them. Yeah. But in return, all we're doing is aiming the camera at all the bad things. And we just see what was already there. Even if it's coming down more, we're seeing it more because more people have cameras and more people are aiming it. Yeah. So even if you know the small town has once every 10 years and we never hear about the one in the town next door... And the one from the town next to that one. Mm. Well, now that 10 years turned out this year, one here, next year, one there, that year, one there. And now we got three in a three-year period, when in reality, each one of those towns always had at least one every 10 years. Interesting. So that that ideology falls heavily onto uh, the social construct that we start then surrounding this as though it's the reality without looking at the other information. And we're like, oh, no, well, the super bad. But, like, how many of us have actually met a horrible cop? But we've all met a cop. But now all the cops are horrible because the ones on TV are horrible. It's like, what what about every – the other 99.99% doing it right? We're just – fuck those guys. Yeah. No, that is a a horrible thing that, like, the – not every cop is bad, obviously. But because we have the spotlight on them. They're all unfortunately lumped together that they're all corrupt, which, like you said, it's it's not accurate. But that's a really I actually did not know about those statistics. So thank you. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. It's easily researchable, by the way. In every play, uh, there's yeah. actually some places that don't even have any kind of black crime. And we just don't talk about that. They don't exist in the world because they have nothing to report right now. Hmm. It's a really weird well, thing. The media and society thrive on the bad. Good is boring. Oh, yeah. Sensationalism for days. Always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. The worse, the better. Again, downfall. Downfall of humanity. (laughs) But here, okay. Here is what happens, right? I'm pro-racism. But there's a twist, obviously, right? (laughs) There's a twist there, obviously. I was waiting for it. Yeah, yeah. So... I believe there's a huge difference between ideology and behavior. And I believe nobody should be judged for what they believe. Some some people believe there's a freaking genie in the sky and pray to him. We don't judge them, you know? Why? Okay. If you're not going to judge somebody who's praying to something nobody has ever proven, why, mm. wh- why do we have the right to judge somebody for things that are happening in their minds that aren't related to that, that can't be proven? And I 100% believe somebody has all the right in the world to believe a specific race is inferior, to believe their race is superior, whatever. Believe whatever you want. Really? Being a racist is Mm. no way a problem. I am actually friends with a person whose family has identified since I was a child as uh, uh, neo-Nazis. I'm dark-skinned as hell. I've been to his house. I've eaten dinner with his family because they're not offensive. They're not disrespectful. They just believe we shouldn't mix. That's the only ideology that they truly support. But do they believe you should even exist? Though? Yes, 100%. Like, they have no problem okay. with any race. They just believe we we are different for a reason and we should try to preserve those differences. Which makes yeah. kind of sense when you word it like that, right? 
Well, but okay, but wait. <laughs> do they be- <laughs> But do they believe that uh, people of color are are inferior? Yes. Like that's not no, the no. Well, here's here's where the second part of my argument comes in. Why am I okay with those people? It's because they yeah. never once behaved racist. They never discriminated against somebody. They never took an opportunity away from somebody. They always treated everybody with kindness and uh, humility. I was in their house. They cooked me dinner. They let me hang out with their son. They are some of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. They just believe white people are better. Now, the ideology did not conflict with their behavior. They never behaved like a racist. They Mm -hmm. only identified as it. I have no problem with somebody believing whatever you want. Don't subject somebody else to it yeah are they the exception to the rule when it comes to to racist um no a long time ago there was a documentary maybe 15 years ago and i made a point to show anybody i could this documentary i don't remember what the name of it was you could probably google it and find it it's a documentary that focuses on the kkk Hmm. And is showing the culture within the kkk most of the people Hmm. within the kkk and families of have experienced some sort of hostility from black people. A lot of the time, imagine being the only white kid in a black school. How's that going to play out? Probably not the best. Now, it has nothing to do with them being inferior, superior, whatever, but your experience relative to a person were quite negative. Well, that whole group of people always treated me crappy. And then I went to the other school that was the same scenario, and there's black people always treated me poorly. And right now, we have a weird situation, right? Like, between me and you, if we were to both go outside, I probably have all the reason regardless of anything I say. Because society has turned in such a way that because of your skin color, I'm always right and you're always wrong. That's mm-hmm. racism. You are, mm-hmm. you are now subject to whatever I want because society has turned in such a way. And you can't do anything about it. Go ahead and say anything and I'll just call you a racist and then what happens? It's mm-hmm. horrible, but it's racism. It's like the the idea of reverse racism. I can make your life miserable okay. simply because your skin color is different. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Now, what? Why? Why are we allowing that? Why can a Why can Dave Chappelle put on total white face and pretend to be a white guy, mm. but a white guy couldn't do that in a million years? That's an excellent point. You know, we are yeah. inherently racist. Everybody is, even if we don't. Use the same terminology. You ask somebody, you know, what's the greatest country in the world? Well, whatever you mm. were born, that's the best country in the world. Doesn't matter where you were born. Mm-hmm. You're American? Well, it's America, right? Yeah. Okay. I know, but I just, as a, <laughs> as a white person, I cannot say that those, you know, I feel like it's just, it's such a, I see what you're saying, but because I, you quote unquote privileged, you know, like (laughs) the fact of the matter is that because you can't say anything about like everything I've said, you could just agree, but you can't. (laughs) That is proving the point I'm making. No, you're you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Oh man. Yes, society. There's too many things. You're blowing my mind this whole entire time. (laughs) My apologies. (laughs) My apologies. I don't I don't mean to consistently shatter reality that way. But is like, these are the things I'm fascinated by, you know? Like the no, fact that like we it. exist in this state and sort of just accept it as it is when it's like mm. why are we judging them but not them for the same thing? Cuz you just said, you know, a troll creates this fake account, jumps online to troll somebody about the same thing that they're guilty of. Yeah, yeah. That's society right now. 
The most consistent guest on this show told me one line that I'll never forget, and I've said it probably now to every guest since him, which has been, it was never about equality. It was always about revenge. Oh, wow. And that has literally played out. Always been about revenge. Yes. Always been about revenge. It's never been about equality. The only person who was fighting for true equality was Martin Luther King. Mm. He well, Sort of. He wanted people to assimilate to the current normal. Okay. So revenge of how minority groups have been treated? Yes. Think okay. of, I don't know if you support, think of the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. It stopped being about the necessity. There was a necessity there to expose real horrible people. And then what happened? The bandwagon showed up. People who yeah. had nothing to do with anything and decided to destroy this practical movement. People who didn't even have anything experienced. They, they didn't go through anything. But you know what? I'm going to jump and say I did too. And me too. And me too. Now it's so muddy. That movement is choking. It's suffocating. It's dying. Yeah, because of how many people sure. lied just to be on the bandwagon. But what for about sure. the people who needed it? We just forgot them. Exactly. No, I 100% percent agree with you that that just it went way out of control to to like well who's honestly telling the truth because one person pops up and then a hundred people pop up like exactly. that, that no yeah no, and it, no. it, it it's it the people who began it had real problems yes they were truly sure. horrified about people with real power who were threatening their lives their well-being their families their situations band together mm-hmm. report as a whole if you all get hurt suddenly we know you were factually saying something mm-hmm. Ten thousand people later the fuck nobody cares anymore because so many were the aziz ansari thing you had a bad oh. date what I, I completely i'm i i love him and i remember i was like absolutely ridiculous there's no way they were in his home you know he was like oh she's hanging out with me we're having a drink together just me and her we've had a good time i'm going to make a move she says no and then all of a sudden i'm a predator because i made a move on a girl when i thought this was a date yeah i made a move in my bedroom while drinking and we had some clothing items already off that's when i decided to make the move but hey i guess i'm a creep now and as long as he stopped and was like, okay, and didn't pursue after she was like, no, okay, no, I'm not into this, then it's fine, which it sounds like he did. So what's the problem? That's debatable. He did oh. stop moving forward and just became an okay. annoying child. I was like, come on. Well, yeah, come a, on, let's do it. A personality issue. <laughs> exactly. Like, he didn't jump on her. He didn't force her anything. By both yeah. of their accounts, he just got really annoying and persistent, and so she gave in. Wait, what? She could have been a grown-up and left. I mean, yes. <laughs> He's, like, a foot shorter than you and, like, half. It doesn't matter which female you are. He's half your size. Yeah. <sighs> it was, she wanted... To be with somebody famous. That's all it was. And then she was yeah, and it was crappy. If he's not, if he's not like physically putting his like body in a, in a, in a way where she feels like she cannot escape and it's just him nagging. No, you can get up and leave if that's truly something you don't want to do. Yeah. hundred percent. There's, I don't know, but that's the state of what we're in right now. I just started watching, and I'm late to it, The Morning Show the on morning Apple show. TV with Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston, and and they are kind of touching on that whole Me Too movement, and I'm early into it, but I'm like, 
I don't think Steve Carell did anything wrong. He had consensual sex with employees. Now, was he like the head guy at, at the at the morning show? So were they say, thinking that their careers wouldn't advance unless they slept with him? I don't know. Um, but I'm like, I think this guy's getting railroaded. Yeah, this is an interesting <laughs> one because uh, situations <laughs> like that where it's uh, a little fuzzier, right? Like Louis C.K., mm. where... He asked for permission. He got the mm. permission and did the thing. But then he got in trouble for the thing that he asked permission for and got the confirmation. Now, the question he is- He asked permission to do that? He asked permission. The question here oh, is, were they fully aware he was serious or did they think it was mm. a joke? Because to them, it's- Exactly. But it's like, maybe assume that and with how? the state of how things are right now, just take it more seriously. But also, like, how outrageous for someone to do that. Like, if you're about to, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, go right ahead. Like, and then I'm horrified. Like, who would be serious about doing something like that? Like, that, well, that's my point, right? Like, where, yeah. where do we judge him based on it? If he did all the things we would say, like, mm-hmm. what would you tell your daughter in this situation? Well, people are into certain things and mm-hmm. uh, always get consent. And if mm-hmm. you give consent and he gives consent, then it's perfectly fine. So then, based on that lesson, did he do something wrong? Yikes. If they truly knew what he was going more and confused, because, yikes. It gets fuzzy, right? Because, yeah. yes, they gave consent, and he asked. He, did, he followed the proper steps. Now, wow. was his tone clear? Because now we're getting nuanced. Mm. Now we're getting yeah. problematic. Should we judge yeah. him based on his tone? But some people just sound certain ways. Are we... Now, going to judge yeah. all of those people because they sound maybe unclear, but even if they're if we're focusing on how they sound more than what they're saying. He's a skilled comedian. Maybe they thought it was a bit. It's, it's <laughs> that weird. That he wouldn't take that far. <laughs> and the females were comedians, too. Oh. So they would know. They would or know. would they know? Maybe he's that much better. I don't know. This is a weird. I don't know. I don't know. To be a fly on the wall. But also, I wouldn't want to be on, <laughs> yeah. on the wall in that room. So, I don't know. I'm not into judging the people. I just mm. judge the fact. Which comes back to the racism. I don't believe anybody who is truly racist is problematic. I think only the people who behave racist. Look in the case okay. of somebody like Biden, right? He okay. is openly like racist. We've seen him drop the N-word a million times. He is the reason 99% of black people in prison are in prison through all the bills he signed. Mm. But is he being racist right now? Not really. So he's not doing anything to harm race per se. So at this moment, he's more desirable than the alternative who was people actively suppressing the opinions of people of color, whether it be Hispanic Mm. or black. But do we not hold him accountable for for past behaviors and actions? Well, this brings up an interesting question. But okay, I just caught myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you evolve and be exactly. a better person. Yeah. Because are we just assuming everybody is two dimensional and you're always who you were? Then that's, that's fucked. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. But okay. now I'm gonna, I'm gonna explain why that's a horrible thought. Because we do have, again, there needs to be a line. I don't want to be the one to draw it. But at some point, in order to protect people, we have to draw a line somewhere. And some people are going to end up on the other side and they're going to be hurt by default. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to it. We can't please everybody. Somebody has mm-hmm. to suffer for the majority. At what point does Hitler get to say, I'm not that person anymore? 
Jeez. That's fucked. That's the litmus test right there. Is it true that you can change? Then he deserves forgiveness beyond a certain point. And that's fucked. We don't want to be the ones to say that, but the ideology holds true. That's a banger, can you isn't be it? For- <laughs> I, it is, because can you be forgiven for that level of what if you truly mean it? and destruction? What if you yeah. truly feel that was horrible now, and I see it now, and I regret every life affected by my actions? But no, you fucking did it anyways. Fuck you. Is that who we are? No. I well yeah I am because I don't believe believe someone who could be that catastrophic to that level could ever change ever 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 there's no way there's something too wrong with them really Biden was on the side of the Iraq war that left to that Mm. led to over 450,000 lives lost and he is actively forgiven by the very people who criticize it right now he is their active leader. That's the true fact of the matter. He put his name on a list of people, and he was the deciding vote, if I'm not mistaken, that leaned into it. He's the reason that war was greenlit. 450,000 so people. why is he forgiven then? Because he's no longer on that side of that. Now he's on the side of the same, of the people who... Yeah, it's so complicated, right? He's on the side of the people who are just like, you're serving our current purpose and you are no longer hurting people in this way, thus you're forgiven. Or is it just... He is still the lesser of two evils. Well, yeah, for sure. Or is it just that that's how politics works? You know, one minute you're the bad guy and like, oh, you stopped doing that, now you're good and let's bring up your your image to look like you're this big hero now and like you're you're one you're one for the people well here's the argument it could be entirely uh, uh, assumed that no politician truly believes anything they are saying and anything they are doing because a good politician (laughs) only does what his party wants and under that light there's Mm -hmm. no greater politician than joe biden because mm-hmm. when his party wanted him to support the war, he did. And when his party wanted him to be against the war, he did. Mm-hmm. So he is the greatest politician because a politi- the government doesn't tell the people what to do. The government should, in theory, mm-hmm. do what the people want. And that would make a good politician. If the people said, go and kill all the children in the other country, then we, okay, he went and did it. Okay. But if we're like, you don't kill anybody else, and then he stops, then you did what the people wanted. Yeah. Thus, you are a good politician, regardless of how dark the past is. Is because we wanted you to do it, I suppose. Yeah, is he just that highly skilled at being a politician? He's considered one of the best. Do I agree? Probably not, but the, <laughs> but the parts suggest that if that's what a politician is supposed to do, he is in mm-hmm. fact doing that consistently. Is that why my husband likes to make this argument? Is that why? Because he, I'm a liberal. My husband's a Republican. We do not agree. I love it. Things. I love that. That's perfect. You guys get both point of views. Great. Yeah. Uh, he's more like you. We're like, I want to hear everybody's. And I'm like, no, this is infuriating. You're wrong. <laughs> so it's not great. But he, he says the same thing about Bernie Sanders. He's like, I don't agree with a word the guy says, but... He's probably the most honest and upstanding politician out there because he's not a politician. He's been saying the same thing his whole life since the 70s or 60s, 70s until now. And and he's just looking out and believing in what he's believing where 
everybody else is kind of flip-floppy and wishy-washy and goes which whatever way the wind blows and however they're going to get more votes, you know? Well, not only that, but the fact of the matter is that not only has Bernie Sanders been one of the most consistent people in, in all of politics ever, like his, his he does not waver under any amount of pressure, mm. but the things he's been pushing when experimented on kind of held true. When the government gave a bunch of people money to survive, they managed to survive. That money made it back into the businesses that were also struggling because you had to go to the businesses to buy the things and the businesses used that to pay the government's tax in the first place that then allowed the government to give that money back to the people. And the economy for that period of time during this freaking apocalypse mm. kind of did better than it has in a while because Everybody was given the money to survive and everybody mm. got to go to the companies and every company got to pay their bills. So his Excellent. ideology held yeah. so solidly and we're just like, no, he's wrong. But no, he was proven right without ever even winning a presidency. Wow. I cannot wait to go to my husband with that. <laughs> with that line. Can you say that again? Can I record it? <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting, right? Like, yeah. why didn't we choose him? But it's because... Mm businesses and companies and um, agendas mm. which goes mm. back to the psychology of society as a whole and the little nuanced things that make us th the dividing line between monsters and none and i guess that circles back to the fact that we still don't know what makes these serial killers tick but it's whatever makes the companies choose a monster into office in the first place whatever that hidden drive you have that you disregard the life of all the people who are going to suffer yeah how many politicians are serial killers then <laughs> and just have the have the power maybe to cover it up <laughs> here's here's what's interesting while serial killers are not necessarily psychopathic in fact the minority of them are because most are pa uh, crimes of passion politicians mm. are and i believe this is a study also done on the psychology mm. of politicians are by vast majority psychopathic you have to be you have to believe one that you are the right person for this you you can Think about what you have to believe to be president. Yeah. I am the yeah. right guy to lead accurately 300 million people. What? Dude, some of us can't even lead our own household. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So true. So true. I love that. You know, they they are psychopaths. There we go. Yeah. You have to believe you're the right person for the job of controlling this many people. And then you have to believe... Well, not only am I the right person for to do what they tell me to do, but also sometimes I'm the right person to ignore three million people screaming voices and do what I want anyways against their will. Absolutely. Uh, Ju Julia Louis-Dreyfus in Veep. She's a total psychopath now that you, you're saying this. Of course. Yeah. She was the worst of the worst, but thought she was the best. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. There it's you go. weird, right? Because right. the people yeah. we'd attribute psychopath, it's media has warped that for us. Mm -hmm. Media says serial killer, psychopath, but no, those are usually crimes of passion They're associated with some trauma and we're trying to cope by doing horrible things, but it's coping ultimately versus feeling nothing. You know what feeling nothing is? Again, I love Obama. Yeah, I know it, sometimes it sounds like I don't, but feeling nothing is walking up to a podium and saying, we are very sorry for the life that was lost in that drone attack. We were aiming at one guy and we know his family was innocent. We have removed the guy who was manning that drone and made the wrong call and then putting another guy in that position immediately so that he can do it after you fired the guy that you told to do it. And then you greenlit this next guy to do the same thing. And then later when it happens again, you walk up to the same podium and you're like, we have removed the guy that you gave permission to. Who committed the uh, that psychopathy? You're walking right up yeah. to the people and say, "I'm so sorry about the thing that you told the guy to do. 
And you, now you're yeah. told immediately after you walked off somebody else to do. No, you're right. You would have to numb yourself completely to be okay with lying to 300 million people, yeah, you know? Effortlessly. Charismatic as anything. No, yeah, 100%. Yeah, uh, Obama and Trump are very similar in that regard. They can just walk up, say Ouch. completely. It's crazy, right? People don't <laughs> like when I say that one. But it's two guys who do and say horrible things about anything, but they do it with such a straight face and like casually, and then don't ask for forgiveness and come do the same thing again. And it's like, so you didn't feel it the first time. Dude, can I believe you the second time? Oh, no, no, I'm serious this time. And then they go and do the thing again. They're like, no, I'm sorry. It was my bad. And we forgive them. Then they go again. Do the th It's like they never gave a shit. They're just manipulating our emotion strings. I guess Obama's just more skilled at pulling it off. <laughs> a million times more. Because the idea is uh, Trump has some challenges, uh, comprehensionally speaking. He doesn't seem to have kind of filters. Most presidents oh. pride themselves on we keep national secrets in the White House. He comes out and he's like, oh, we had a conversation about dropping the thing. It's like, what? You just told the world you're going to go kill a guy? What? And then he did. He literally just pushed a button. What was it? January something, third or some fourth. Here, drop a bomb on some random guy. I told you guys I'd do it. You had to brag before doing that? That's... I can't. I can't. Yeah. I can't with that guy. <laughs> Politics can't live with them. We will literally fall apart without it. I mean, would we? Nobody's holding anything together. Nothing has fallen apart yet. I mean, there really has there been a full. Should we test it out? Should there be I, an experiment for just put the pause button on it? I think we should. I think we should. There is only one country in the world with zero government, and I believe it's Samoa. It just functions fine. People just barter, whatever. Okay. Yeah, it Let's works. It. Nothing horrible. To, <laughs> yeah, there's poverty and there's things like that. We mm. still have that. We have government and that's still happening. Mm. In fact, Very in mass, good. the difference between the haves and have-nots is increasingly larger so that the haves is like 10 people and the have-nots is everybody fucking else. Yeah. So, like, how are we in worse conditions than Samoa who has no government? Do they have more wealthy people than we do? Statistically, mm. obviously, right? Like, percentage-wise. Could you say yeah, it's yeah. 10 20%? Do we have 20%? Hell no, 20% of our population isn't wealthy. We'd say what? Just people over a million dollars. Do we have in a country of 300 million more than 10,000? What percentage? <laughs> right? Like, what percent is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. I know that the billionaire list is less than 100, I think. Oh, really? No, really? I think so. Google that. How many uh, billionaires are there total? Let's see. Right now, get this. How many billionaires in the world? Right there. Get this answer and find out how screwed we really are. <laughs> 2,755 total billionaires in the in world. The world. Out of wow. 8 billion people. Wow. Well, 7.5, whatever. And what country? And I'm putting on the spot to Google things, but what country? Are oh, no, that was the world. From? Oh, and majority? Oh, oh crap. That's yeah. a good question. <laughs> I, bet it's the United, I bet it's the United States. Yeah. Country of opportunity. I, yeah. Is that weird that this is both the best and worst country in the world? Because it really is, right? You get the freedom to do whatever you want, but as a result, so do monsters. Mm. Let's see. I mean, United I, States. Yeah. 724 okay. are from the United States, with China being number two and India being number three, falling way far behind that 140 in India. Wow. 
Wow. I mean, but also that makes sense. I mean, it's land of opportunity, right? Yeah. So in Canada, there's no freedom of speech. It's not mm-hmm. a law. Mostly mm-hmm. people don't get bothered for saying things, but you really, they could come down on you if they wanted to. But they're too nice there, so they they're won't. Too ni- and except <laughs> recently, have you seen has, what's been going on? They've been like, been oh, yes. So crazy. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, so being the land of opportunity, did we create this own monster then from the very beginning? Is it a monster is the question. Oh. Because compared, uh, what country is better? Right? What country has more freedom for the individual? N- name one. There's none. It's, okay. it's, this yeah. is it, the pinnacle. But because everybody gets equal opportunity, we have to ignore the morality of that statement. We can't say only the people who, because who decided what's good and bad, right? We just decided this a long time ago and not necessarily everybody needs to agree to it. So if we say, you know, only the people who do good, Okay, then by whose measurement of good are we giving you opportunities? And it gets dicey. So we have to say everybody gets equal opportunity regardless of where you stand. But then we, then we have to leave the door open when the demon is walking down the alley. Jeez. You're blowing my mind today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we talked in the beginning about like me taking on now, I'm just like, Physically, emotionally, mentally, all the things wiped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I drained you faster than anybody ever has. Yes, you have because you've made my mind think way more than it ever has. I think about all the things that I thought were were one way. And it's crazy because a lot of it is sort of um, things we identify with, right? Like mm-hmm. we as society, as as Earth, we know – we feel, I guess no, not no, but we feel racism bad. We, it's integral. It's bad. It's horrible. But we never make the distinction that acting racist is what we're talking about. Because, again, we can't judge what you feel. Because if we judge what you feel, then anybody judging what anybody else feels is right. And then the argument against gay or transgender becomes justified. Because well, what you feel isn't based reality. And I can use science to prove that there's nothing biological in you that's driving this. But that's wrong. That's inherently wrong. We know that emotions and feelings matter just as much. Which, if that's the truth, we have to apply that to a racist as well. And that's a weird spot to be in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, society. I'm going to have to like sit alone in, in, a, in a corner for the rest of the night thinking... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this, uh, I assure you, I do this quite often. I sit somewhere and I, I just ponder the things that Is disturb that what, me. I would love to know. Do you just sit somewhere and just think for hours about... Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. At night, a lot. I just sit and I I observe. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. But at night, I often just sit and observe society, you know, just scroll on some things, focus on whatever most horrible thing it is that's currently happening. Like, who the hell thought... Canada of all places would have a dude trying to be a dictator right now but like mm. it's happening everywhere mm. right so England has this guy who's trying to be a dictator and uh, Brazil's dude just 100% just decided I'm a dictator today China's been this way Russia's f- continuously forcing that down people's throats we had Trump and arguably Biden is leaning towards throwing Camila into the whole you're the next dictator situation so we got d- the democracy's dying Jeez. is that good or bad I don't know so I sit and th- I time think will, time will tell Time, Time will tell. <laughs> I sit and I think, should I be horrified? Is this bad? I mean, society lived without democracy for most of time. We're here because mm. of the lack of democracy. Mm. So 
are we wrong? Are we right? I don't, I don't know. We've had democracy for 300 years. We'd have everything else longer. Jesus, man. It's scary, right? <laughs> it is. It is scary. This may be scarier than serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> I think I definitely feel more comfortable with a serial killer than a politician. Because I at yeah, least I'm, know. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to have to um, calm myself after this conversation and watch a nice uh, serial killer documentary. <laughs> yeah. Nice and soothing. <laughs> Very soothing. Very soothing. <laughs> Do you get soothed when you're watching it? Is it like a guilty pleasure type of thing? Um, I don't think I get soothed, but I do enjoy it, and I have no problem watching it before I fall asleep at night. <laughs> Interesting. And no, not disturbed at all. Or any, I mean, I guess it's the reality of the disturbed. I am disturbed, but I also am fascinated, so I'm enjoying watching it. So, but no, like, compared to, like, my sister, who could not, she would have nightmares for a week. There's no way in hell she's going to watch one of those documentaries. And then you make sure to subject her to them. Yeah. <laughs> then I then I trick her with like cookies and wine. And I make her sit in a room with me while I tell her stories. <laughs> I mean, what's a, um, this is such a great? How do you come up with the concept in the first place? Um, literally just conversations with my sister. I was like, you know, it'd be really funny if we did a podcast where I tell you all the things that I find fascinating and you find horrifying. And I don't know. I guess she just loves me too much to say no. <laughs> Did she seem ecstatic to jump into it at, for, at first? Um. Well, listen, we're both moms. And the concept of doing anything without our kids sounds exciting and fascinating and something we'll do. Fair, fair. It's uh, escapism. <laughs> it is. Because you, you're telling me I get to be in a small room and not have to worry about any tiny children to take care of? Like, literally, uh, people are knocking at my door right now because kids are crying. So. Yeah, <laughs> so no, being, I can understand. It, it's... Being being locked in with you right now, I had my little escapism. Even if it was talking about politics, that makes me, like, sweat and worry. And, <laughs> and yeah, talking stuff. about the morality of our broken system in reality. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. it is, I don't know, life is weird. <laughs> but look, how often do you get to have a conversation like this that... You could just let free flow and like, who do you oh, know I, well enough for that? Right? No, I mean, no, for sure. Like, uh, cause I guess I would always be concerned about insulting someone, hurting someone's feelings. No. So this was amazing. Having Beca this conversation becomes refreshing, you. right? It is. It is. No. Cause you're constantly being told like, and you know, uh, People are always so sensitive these days about everything, it feels like. Yeah. So, no, you're told to kind of like not have those very serious conversations. So, Which is weird great. because that all the problems we just discussed exist because of not having those conversations, right? Mm -hmm. That is the mm -hmm. problem. Let's go back to the little kids uh, treating girls poorly because they're into the girl. But if we had the conversation, we'd fix the problem, but then we'd shame somebody out of something. Yeah. So, I don't know. Are the convers We're both leaving this conversation <laughs> way more disturbed than we came in. <laughs> Lovely. Did it, should it have happened? Did we win? The, did we win or, or did we lose? Should we not have told the little kid that that's wrong? Because that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're in the conversation that says that's wrong. I mean, I feel more enlightened after talking to you. You definitely 
opened my eye to some things and gave me some great things to research later. So thanks. <laughs> yes, definitely. You got you have to watch Don't Fuck With Cats. It's gonna All be right. a little hard. They don't show the videos, luckily. They'll just describe okay. what's happening. Okay. Oh, describing. Oh no, it's just horrible. Just seeing it. Yeah, because your imagination is so much worse, right? Yeah, that's why the books are always better than the movies. <laughs> yeah, yes, because you can imagine it in a way that like somebody couldn't fathom bringing into reality. Yeah, more detailed. And I guess that's sure. the worst part about uh, that specific thing, because the lady who's narrating the videos that she's watching, because they're not going to show us the videos, but she walks us through the events that she's watching. So it's like you see me looking at a computer right now, and I'm telling you what I'm seeing, but you don't see the screen. Yeah. And it's just... So astoundingly dark. No, I don't. I'll give it a try, but I might have to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, it's dark, but it's quick. It's brief. You've probably okay. made it through significantly longer shows. Like you probably watched the Ted Bundy show, right? I did. Yeah, I did. and that's horrible. It it is totally. It is. it is confessions with serial killers. I watched way too many interviews with um, Dahmer. Oh my god! Yes, fascinating and horrible and awful. Have you dove into the Charles Manson uh, uh, tapes, the conversations with him? No, just because he's, he freaks me out so bad in a different way. But maybe it's because he is a different kind of, like you said, he's like a psychological yes. killer. There's something else going on there. It's so fascinating. No, the fact no, that no, people were that. scared to enter a room and needed to be evaluated psychologically after having any conversation with him. Oof. Like, how scared of him Chills. are we? Chills, chills. No. Yeah, it's monstrous. One, only a psychologist gets to talk to him. Two, that psychologist needs a psychologist that didn't get to hear Manson. What are you scared of? To decompress after that. You're yeah. so afraid that he's going to brainwash you that easily. I mean, he did it so frequently. That's crazy. Yikes. It is. It is. That's crazy. Yikes. <laughs> Anyways, as we uh, are getting to the end here, it has mm -hmm. been phenomenal having this conversation with you. I'm sorry to have ruined your evening and both at the same time made it better, I guess. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I've so enjoyed this. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. This has been wonderful. Yeah, I was actually really excited because I wanted to see what, what's the mind of somebody who's just in this all day <laughs> and you like look it up and you do the research and you bring it just to torture a different person with it. Okay, what happens when somebody who normally tortures people comes to torture the person who's usually torturing people? No, I'm sure my my sister will have to come on with you eventually and and get therapized of when you'll get into why she lets me do this to her. I every will week. definitely, if that moment crosses, I would <laughs> love to dissect why are you allowing this to happen. Maybe I'll, I'm gonna we record tonight, so I'll have to ask her why she lets me do it. That's a great question. Yeah, hey, if you get an answer, let me know. I'm curious. I will. And uh, so let everybody know where they can find your show, anything you've got going on, all the things mm -hmm. you'd like to promote. Thank you. So, yeah, we are a true crime podcast, kind of with a twist. We are called Did Not Need to Know. It's me and my sister, Danielle. Like I said, I love true crime. She hates it. I find it fascinating. She's horrified. So every week I get to tell her and she doesn't know the case prior. I get to tell her a new story that completely horrifies her that she did not need to know. And uh, since we are sisters, we bring a humor to it. We tease each other, obviously never disrespecting the people who were victims. But um, but yeah, so you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And uh, we're also on all the socials, um, Instagram and TikTok 
at did not need to know and Twitter and Facebook at D N N T K podcast. Perfect. <laughs> now I'm so happy you came on. This was uh, an amazing conversation. I love when somebody has so much to offer in return. Cause I've had conversations where, uh, you know, it becomes very, um, interview like, and I try to yeah, aim for like okay. an open format because interview has like a, you know, lacks reality. It's very impractical. It's unnatural. That's the word I'm looking for. It's very unnatural. Mm-hmm. I like natural going conversations. So I like when I come across a thinker such as yourself that has feedback and like I say something and that immediately triggers a thought and you could like, it's a conversation. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed this as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for being here. And hey, <laughs> I, I definitely enjoyed you being here. Anytime you want to come back, let me know. Anything. You, anytime I you have something it. going on, you know, merchandise starts coming down the pole or anything, just let me know. Amazing. Thank you, you so much. Yes, I appreciate you being here. I was very excited for this simply because I haven't had anybody from True Crime come through to pick their Amazing. mind. Amazing. I was very skeptical at first. I was, I was like, who is this person messaging me? <laughs> you know, but I'm so glad I, I gave it a shot. And this was so fun. I, I'm glad you enjoyed your time. It could have been very, I mean, it definitely was a downer, but it's never <laughs> not. <laughs> it's never no, not. No, I... Obviously, that's something that I'm into, like looking into the downers of life, I guess. Yeah, that's why I thought it'd be a perfect fit. You know, have a conversation that brings us both a couple of notches down and reminds us that eh, it's about as bad as it looks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, humbles us a little. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, have a wonderful evening if it's evening time where you are. Oh, yeah. Actually, I have no idea where you're located. Right now, it's six o'clock over here. Uh, It is the same. I am in Pennsylvania. We are so close. I'm in Jersey. We're right next to each other. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I'm like a I'm a stone's throw from Jersey. How I'm close? Right Allentown-ish area. Uh, Bucks County. No idea what the hell that is, but I'm assuming okay, it's close. Right outside of Philly. Like okay, perfect. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, man, that's crazy. Who? Small yeah. world, right? Everybody's next very, to each other. Very small world. We're all what? <laughs> it used to be seven people's distance. What is it? Five, five seven degrees of separation. Oh, of separation. Yeah, now it's two. Not really. Yeah, because of the internet. Everybody more, has more connected things. to somebody. More things I need to look into. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you came on. I really appreciated you being here, and I hope in the future we could do this again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Same to you. <laughs> Bye. The Just Conversation podcast is hosted by Jack Thomas, produced by Lynn Taylor, and published by GreatThoughts.info. Art by Zero Lupo, and logo by Seth McAllister, with social media managed by Amber Black.